0: Joining me today is Dr. Beck Christensen. She works across research infrastructure management, science engagement and knowledge brokering, finding ways to improve the practice of collaborative science and to increase the uptake and use of science in policy management and decision-making. She completed a PhD at Flinders University studying the ecology of Darwin's finches on the Galapagos Islands. Since then, she's worked across university, government, NGO contexts on projects ranging from water policy to environmental education and managing national research infrastructure. Thanks for joining me, Bec.
1: No worries, thanks for having me.
0: What do you do currently? What's your role?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um, My current role is at QUT, the Queensland University of Technology, Uh, and my job title, if those things accurately reflect what we do, that's another question, um, is Manager for Research Infrastructure Support. And there's a second part to my role where uh, I'm called a Research Infrastructure Specialist for Ecology. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that about half of my job is helping to manage um, all of the research infrastructure in science and engineering, looking at sort of policy, business improvement, strategy, funding, things like that for the whole portfolio, um, including like analytical testing facilities and structural engineering facilities and things like that. Uh, And about half of my role then is focused on an ecological research station that we have at QUT. So the operations of that, um, and getting more and more of our researchers and other partners to actually use that and sort of creating connections around
0: that for ecologists. Given you did your PhD on finches, tell me, how did you get from that to to where you are now? Yeah, entirely
1: unintentionally. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I, this is not, I did not start out my career thinking, wow, one day maybe I'll get to work in research infrastructure management. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I did my PhD which was a really great experience. Um, So I'm one of those people who went straight through undergrad honours and into my PhD. Mm -hmm. So I finished when I was still quite young. I can say that now because it was a long time ago. Uh, And I really enjoyed doing my PhD. It was an amazing experience. Getting to work on the Galapagos is obviously Mm. a ridiculous privilege. Uh, But I think I finished my PhD just wanting to try something else for a while, get out of research, uh, and so I was really just looking for any jobs that were available at the time that had sort of something to do with the environment really broadly. Uh, and what I ended up falling into was a state government job in policy. And that was in uh, South Australia at the time. Uh, and so I went into sort of a entry level position in the policy section of and environment department and discovered quite quickly that I was surrounded by people primarily with legal qualifications mm. and um, there were scientists in the department who sat on a separate floor in a separate division and did scientific things and then there were the policy people around me who were trying to make environmental policy and the two of them didn't really talk to each other very much. And part of that was because the policy people didn't really understand the scientists and they just found it too hard to try to understand them because the scientists didn't try to make their work accessible. Mm -hmm. So my work there ended up being a little bit of an envoy between the two divisions because I happened to have a background in science but um, apparently could talk to normal people as well. So that kind of happened accidentally. Um, And that was, I think, uh, an interesting... Uh, There's certainly a lot that I learnt out of being in state government, um, being behind the scenes on a lot of policy formation and some quite contentious policy Um, and through that I think really seeing the value of solid communication in so many contexts, so communication with the public and communication with the minister and communication with your colleagues and that that doesn't necessarily happen accidentally uh, and it's not necessarily a skill that Everybody has naturally. So I really enjoyed that element of what I was doing and kind of pursued that. Um, I had a little bit of time after I was in state government where I went overseas and did some volunteer work, as many young people do. Uh, And when I decided it was time to come back to Australia uh, again, I was kind of just looking for a job. Um, because the practicalities of life are that one needs a job at some point. And uh, I saw an advertisement for an engagement manager with a thing called the Terrestrial Ecosystem Research Network. And I applied for it and in the end I got it. Uh, And then very quickly learnt about national research infrastructure. So the Terrestrial Ecosystem Research Network is Tern, which is a thing that still exists. It's part of the federal investment in research infrastructure. And it is the research infrastructure for terrestrial environmental research, which covers quite a lot of things. And as I learned quite quickly, it covers quite a lot of things that weren't necessarily uh, my specialty. So TURN was at that time attempting to set up a national monitoring system for our environments, as well as the data infrastructure to take all of those all of that monitoring data in and make it accessible to people and also to take other research data that they weren't collecting and put it into the same um, data infrastructure so that we sort of start to amass all of this relevant data in the same place. TURN has a lot of partners so my job was helping us connect with our partners who helped us do the monitoring. Um, So many universities across Australia, the CSIRO, different state government agencies, the Commonwealth, all of these things. Um, And so it was partly helping to shape the scientific directions, um, but also really just the people management because TURN is is absolutely reliant on a network of people across the country. And so if the people bit didn't succeed, then TURN wouldn't succeed. And that's how I kind of stepped into research infrastructure (laughs) And after doing that for a while. um, Again, discovered that there's actually a specific skill set around research infrastructure and a different way of thinking about things and a knowledge base um, that I had acquired after a number of years. Uh, And then I happened to see um, this job at QUT that looked like an interesting opportunity and I applied for it and ended up in it. And that's how I come to be where I am now.
0: That was a really, really long answer. <laughs> oh, but no, it's, it's really interesting. And I, and I think it sort of, um, I guess that journey sort of helps explain that those experiences and things that you had along the way that sort of have led you to where you are now, which is, yeah, really interesting. What are some of the challenges of working in that research infrastructure space?
1: Mm. Um, I think there are some challenges in general for research infrastructure at any level. Um, one is that a lot of people don't actually understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certainly if I'm talking to somebody outside, even outside the university sector and they ask me what I do, I'm unlikely to lead <laughs> <laughs> I manage <laughs> research infrastructure uh-huh. um, and would probably more talk about um, helping to manage research facilities or laboratories or research stations. And like, that's just a little bit more accessible for people. Um, but even within within the sector, I think there's still in some cases a lack of understanding about um, research infrastructure, its tools, its systems, um, and in a lot of cases, it's people that help to enable the practice of research. Uh, and so traditionally... Um, people are really used to thinking about something like a microscope as being research infrastructure. A university might have one, you know, top of the range, fantastic thing um, and everybody shares it and that's infrastructure and we all understand that that's really easy. But when research infrastructure is a national data set, it becomes a little bit harder sometimes for people to understand. So it's still yeah. a tool and it's a tool that's used by many, um, but it's not a physical Thing that's located in a place and it doesn't have bookable hours and it doesn't have a charge out rate and it's a different way of thinking about things. And in the case of something like TURN, uh, the, nas- the national research infrastructure in that case is actually people as well Um, so there are instruments that collect data and sensors but in a lot of cases for terrestrial ecosystem data we are still reliant on teams of human beings that will go out into the field and collect the data Um, and that was certainly one of the real challenges for us in communicating with our Commonwealth department and trying to explain where funding was going and the impact it had had and things like that, that they were used to thinking about equipment Mm -hmm. and looking at us and just seeing lots and lots of staff and not quite understanding, you know, how that was infrastructure. The other thing that's really tricky with infrastructure is that it's hard to get credit for good work because you know, you've done your job well when some really great research has been done Mm -hmm. with the infrastructure. But in that case, the story is inevitably the research yeah, and the research infrastructure is kind of this unseen hidden thing that made it happen. And you know that, um, but it can be hard to get that recognition, which is actually really important then for making an argument for why the Commonwealth should keep investing or why your research institution should keep investing in that thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess it's not until someone needs something or whatever and it doesn't work or you don't have access to it or whatever that it, it's just when your work doesn't go well that people hear about it but
1: yeah and usually by then it's too late if once something's broken or lost um it can be you can certainly make a case for investment then but you're going to have a lag time when the old thing's broken before you get the new thing in yeah
0: Mm. so along the way you've um got a lot of experience working at the interface of science and policy what are some of the important things for being effective in that space That's
1: a really good question. I think there's a really important role for patience and communication and not taking things for granted and also not making assumptions. So I think... For us, when we're, you know, when we're specialists in a field and we've got a lot of knowledge about something, it's really easy to assume that knowledge is shared. And in many cases, it's not. Um, But when we assume that other people understand things the same way that we do, we usually start communicating at an in-depth level that automatically kind of makes them feel excluded and off guard and uncertain. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's kind of difficult. Um, Patience, because often it it does take time to educate both both sides of an equation or the multiple sides of an equation um, to get everyone on the same page to then be able to address an issue. And I think it's really important to be able to see things from um, multiple different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, maybe some of the challenges we see at the moment is because in general a lot of A lot of organisations or a lot of people aren't necessarily good at communicating their side of things but also listening to what other people's side of things Mm. is. I think also understanding what certain people can and can't do. I think we often from the outside of government have a perspective that government is one kind of monolithic thing but in fact people within government departments have really different roles. They're at really different levels. They have different opportunities to influence things in different ways. Sometimes they talk to other people in government, sometimes they don't. Sometimes when you're on the outside, you're actually more connected across multiple parts of a department than people inside a department are. Um, so I think the persistence and willingness to talk to lots of people and to just you know, keep talking to lots of people is quite important. And, yeah, and being helpful where you can. It's so easy. It's so easy to criticise and we do all do it. But at some point we need a solution. And if you're not willing to actually engage and help to find that solution, then, in fact, you're not really helping us move forward in mm-hmm. a constructive way with policy.
0: So people might not know, but you are the new president of the Ecological Society of Australia. Indeed. Indeed what congratulations <laughs> what are you hoping to achieve as, as part of your role there
1: I am really lucky um, to be president of the ESA and to work with a really fantastic board um, and so it's certainly not a role in which the president's sort of on their own pushing something forward um, we have a board made up of people with different experience and different passion and um, And the way our board is structured, we have a few vice presidents who each take responsibility for a different portfolio. So for the last few years, for example, I've been vice president um, with the portfolio of policy and outreach, but we also have a vice president um, for science and applications and one for membership services and one for next generation. So really looking at students and early career and things like that. Um, So I actually think part of my job as president is just to get out of the way and let the really good people we have in those roles um, continue with the strategies and plans that they have in place and to support them and enable them to to progress along those pathways. Um, my, I mean, because I have been vice president for policy and outreach and clearly that's something that's important to me, um, I'm also keen to continue, I guess, leading the society's work to engage more with policy and communication activities, which we do through um, media and Like writing submissions to government inquiries. Um, We're increasingly having more direct face to face meetings with people in government and parliamentarians. Um, We also have a new working group around education that's looking to improve the way ecology is presented as part of um, school curriculum, but also looking at sort of best practice teaching for the tertiary context. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that that's just really exciting and and you know, I hope that I can sort of just steady the ship and keep it moving forward well. Um, there's also some more uh, they may they may seem like more boring things behind the scenes, financial governance and management and things like that. Um, the ESA is very well structured in terms of its governance and management. And at the moment, we are in um, a pretty solid financial situation, Um, but there's also things on the horizon that we have to be aware of. So um, we rely quite heavily on income from both of our journals, so Austral Ecology and Ecological Management and Restoration. Um, But obviously, they exist in a current publishing paradigm that we know is changing with open access and things that are coming. Um, So we just also have to be looking at that and how we can transition the journals to whatever the new publishing landscape might be, which is still very uncertain. And at the same time, look at how we can maintain income for the society so we can keep doing things for ecology in Australia.
0: Something that's come up in the Australian Academy of Sciences review of women in STEM is the lack of female role models. Have you been lucky enough to have some female role models in your career? Yes, definitely. Um,
1: I think – so my PhD supervisor, primary supervisor, was um, a woman – When I worked in government, I had – I think I had three managers and two of them were women. Um, I, uh, at turn, had um, a direct line manager that was a woman um, and for the last couple of years also had a director of turn that was a woman. In my current role at QUT, uh, my institute executive director is a woman – um, my institute manager is a woman. I'm surrounded by wonderfully successful and wow. supportive women. I'm very lucky. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, it's interesting. Something that I have noticed. Um, so my my current role at QUT has exposed me to more of the other science disciplines outside of ecology, uh, and while I think we all have a lot of work to do across STEM, it's been interesting for me to observe. um, I think ecology might be in a slightly better position around gender equity than many of the other disciplines um, where it is, you know, it is quite common for me to have meetings with um, people from, you know, various parts of engineering or computer science and things like that, where um, I'm the only woman because there's literally no, like there's just no female it's not that they were excluded there aren't any at the institution Uh and I guess one of the other things I do with my ESA hat on um, is sit on the policy committee of science and technology Australia so we're a member organization of STA Uh, and it's certainly one of the things that's regularly discussed at that policy committee um, equity and diversity broadly but certainly gender equity Um, and it is something that we talk about there sort of the variation across across disciplines and I think in Australia we are quite lucky to have had certainly really strong champions at the national level um, through the academy through STA Um, we currently have a minister for science that who who is a woman um, and is a trained engineer so actually comes sort of from the sector as well
0: and that's quite important but you still hear a lot of
1: horror stories and anecdotes that are really unhelpful
0: Throughout your career, have you been given any really fantastic advice that sticks in your mind or anything really terrible?
1: Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have any easy catchphrases. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly always worked on the premise that I'd rather be happy than successful, which in some ways is also a luxury that I can afford to have. Um, living in a generally affluent country and, and all of those things. Um, there's a little bit of privilege around that as well. Um, but I think in some ways it does take some of the pressure off. Um, I've never f- yeah felt the need to follow a preconceived path or achieve somebody mm-hmm. else's definition of what success looks like. I have also been intrigued and a little bit challenged by advice from a, a previous manager who said, um, that they, they always consider how much they're being paid by their employer and consider that they should then be making sure they get that return on investment for the employer. They should be making back that much money for their employer, if not more, uh-huh. or they're not, they're not doing it right, um, which is not a way I'd ever thought about my job but it's, it's something that's stuck in my mind and I've always found it interesting to kind of think sometimes, oh, am I actually, am I giving back to them what they're investing in me? Like, are they actually getting mm-hmm. their return on investment or should I be doing more or, or something different?
0: It's a really interesting way of phrasing it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Just thinking about how effective you are in some way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that has probably been quite key to my work is that I think collaboration in the end is more successful than competition which is a little bit controversial in an academic system that actually rewards Mm -hmm. competition and individual success Uh, but I think my natural approach to things is collaborative and I think some of the work that I've done and the experience of Experiences I've had have shown, actually, sometimes it can take a bit longer, but collaboration usually leads to better outcomes for everyone.
0: Something I've been asking everyone to finish, what advice would you give to younger Beck or someone at an earlier stage of their career?
1: I don't know that I'd give advice to my younger self, other than maybe don't question yourself so much, Mm -hmm. Um, but I I, you know, like I actually feel really happy with Where life has taken me so far, and I wouldn't want to change any of those things that have happened. Um, But I guess anybody younger who might be starting out at the moment, I think there's a lot in the world at the moment that can make us stressed and terrified, and for good reason. Like, there's, yeah, climate change change is terrifying, (laughs) biodiversity crisis, all Uh of these things. And I think as well, I guess we're talking in the context of of the STEM sector and ecology and there is also a lot of, I think it can feel quite early on, like there's a lot of pressure to succeed really quickly or there's a certain pathway, like this is the only pathway you can go down to have a good job or be successful or do the right thing or any of that. And um, so I think I would say I just don't believe the propaganda. Not that it's propaganda, that's maybe not the right word, but... There are actually lots of opportunities in STEM. There are lots of opportunities outside of academia that are really valid. You can still be involved in research. You can do your own. You can support other people's. You can be involved in translating science into um, applications and solutions that really have an impact. You can be involved in raising awareness and educating other people. Like there's just a plethora of options and I think make yourself aware of the options and don't be afraid to experiment and try different things. And I think, you know, it sounds a bit cheesy, but do also remember that individuals can make an impact. And if you don't try, then
0: you're guaranteed to not have an impact. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time back. It's been really wonderful.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been
0: great. You've been listening to Terrain. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram using the handle Terrain Podcast. And of course, by searching Terrain Podcast in your favourite podcast app. Talk to you soon.